0: Today in our podcast, we're interviewing John Hanselman, who's the chairman and CEO of Vanguard Renewables. And Vanguard Renewables develops, constructs, and operates farm-based clean energy systems that recycle food waste and
1: farm waste to produce safe and reliable renewable natural gas and renewable electricity. So thank you so much for taking time out of your presumably very very busy time out on the farms because we're just as debbie said before we're so excited to welcome you and to interview you and uh see you launching this initiative it it looked like um as usual we're a little behind europe and so thank you for taking the lead (laughs) and the the charge we're
2: really behind europe yeah Yeah. always (laughs)
0: always always yes
1: and we see this as a huge solution to a huge problem oh. that we've got. And we wanted to throw out some statistics. Maybe you can correct us if they're worse than they really are.
0: <laughs> I'll, but I'll try.
1: 43 billion pounds of food waste per year from American supermarkets. Only, is- um Yeah.
0: That's, that is right.
1: It's a it's a crazy stat, yeah. and um, one supermarket produces uh, only uh, about 10% of our food waste. That was another crazy statistic. So welcome, John. Thank you
2: for being so here. I'm so glad to be here, I, and I appreciate the statistics. It is, it's alarming once you start to understand what unwanted and unusable food represents, uh, both from an opportunity uh, to create renewable energy and as a disastrous impact on climate change
0: right which is a very very hot topic right now for sure it
2: is Finally. it is it's, <laughs> it is yeah i would say ask everyone in australia they'll let you know oh yeah yes. that's for
0: sure so um so we want to know how did vanguard renewables come about we want to hear the origin story
2: it, it is it's a it's a strange story so um i come from the solar world okay uh, um so we spent a decade uh, doing solar. Um, energy development here in the U S and Puerto Rico and uh, started hearing from some folks about uh, what was happening in Europe with al- another alternative energy source, um, primarily anaerobic digestion. And the idea that you could take organic materials, cook them uh, in huge million gallon stew pots mm-hmm. and make renewable natural gas it sounded crazy. Uh, sounded like something that, that, that didn't make a lot of sense until we started to kind of dig into it. And uh, my partner and I started looking at what really did, what was the opportunity and, and why hadn't it happened in the United States? Uh, we looked at what was happening in Germany and Denmark and the UK. And, and those folks have been doing it for, uh, in Germany, over 20 years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So there, there's a lot of advanced development. Um, and yet, if you look at, at Germany, so it's roughly the landmass of New England, um, there are 9,000 digesters. Oh. Almost now, actually, almost 10,000 digesters. Wow. Um, yeah, so every farm, every wastewater treatment plant, every uh, transfer station has an anaerobic digester. And yet, if you look at the entire United States, um, today, we have 250 oh. um, in the continental U.S., right. which is just bananas. And the thing that happens when you start to look at food waste, and you, you look at that half-eaten slice of pizza, or the you know, that tray of lasagna or something that, that you're going to chuck out. And all of a sudden you realize, well, wait a minute, that's, that actually can heat my home. That could power uh, a truck. That could, you know, uh, create electricity. And uh, it just starts to, if you'll allow me a really bad pun since we deal with bugs, they're the guys who make our, our gas. You get the bug and you can't look at food waste the same way ever again. So every time you walk into a cafeteria or a a grocery store and you see the guys pulling out the the rotten produce, you think, geez, you know, that could actually change our entire climate change profile. My favorite statistic, you guys had some really good ones. My favorite one is that if food waste globally um, were a nation, it would be the third largest contributor to climate change after the United States and China. Um, Yeah. It's just, uh, It's an enormous impact and it's one that, that is, it's hard. You know, what we do is, is not easy. Um, It takes a long time to figure out how to get it to work in the United States. um, In Germany, they've got a federal energy policy. Um, People do what they're told uh, mostly. Um, (laughs) It's very, very different than here in the U S where we have a strong independent mind and we've got state by state um, energy legislation. So it's much, much more difficult to to implement, but we've, we think we've cracked the code, um, on how to actually get this to work. And, uh, it's, it's super exciting.
1: So in Europe, are they, do they, do households have these or are they only in businesses?
2: No, they're, they're only, they're usually freestanding. Um, so an anaerobic digester is, is actually fairly large, a small, I mean, you can, there are pocket anaerobic digesters. They're not very efficient and they're, they're very, very expensive. Um, What we've done is built kind of a mid-sized digester compared to some, there's some very, very large ones uh, in the UK and and, in Denmark. We've taken about a two-acre, two to three-acre parcel um, on a farm, and we then build a series of these million-gallon tanks and these processing equipment. So it's it's not really a household thing and, and probably won't be for a very long time. You just need an enormous quantity of organics to actually make that that natural gas, mm-hmm. um, the renewable natural gas. Uh, the good news is there's an awful lot of it available.
0: Yeah. Right,
1: and so and the, could could you name where that's coming from? I mean, supermarkets, oh, sure. and the sure. cows. Yeah. But t- tell us more. Give us
2: so we the the first thing we do is we take all of the manure from the cows. So that's a hugely important part for the our farm partners. Um, so our host farmers, you know, want to be good neighbors. They want to be great stewards of land. Um, they have a the challenge in that they spread manure. Uh, throughout the entire growing season. So if it's 4th of July and uh, you just put out your manure, um, folks in the neighborhood are, are probably not so excited about their barbecue. Um, we get to take all that manure, um, we add into it food waste, and the food waste comes from uh, grocery stores, uh, colleges and universities, um, large food manufacturers, we're getting uh, enormous quantity of food from food manufacturers prisons, uh, sadly, where we get lots and lots of food waste from those. Combine all that into these big tanks. Uh, we have a nice blended recipe uh, and then we cook it for about 30 days uh, at about 100 to 105 degrees. Um, so think about it as, as the world's biggest instant pot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it just it, and it cooks away and the little um, gut flora from the cows, uh, which are called methanogens, um, eat the food waste and they emit methane um, much like all of us after a good Mexican meal that, we capture that gas uh, we dry it uh, and then it's renewable natural gas and it can be used to create electricity or to heat homes uh, or as vehicle fuel so really neat and we've got great and great partners, Whole Foods Cape Cod potato chips Gorton Seafood You know, we've got um, many 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 contributors already Wow,
1: and so we want you to come to New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> we're
2: on our way. Right. We were. Uh, yeah. I was on the phone this morning with some folks in New Jersey. Oh, so good. We are, we'll, we'll be there.
0: Oh, good. Okay. All right. So right now you're working with dairy farmers, and we have we did a little bit of research and found a, a Yale School of Environmental Studies that came out in 2014, which is now you know close to six years old. But they said that basically a 2000 cow dairy generates more than 240,000 pounds of manure daily um, yes. and about 90 million pounds a year. And so that, I mean, that's crazy. And you, the USDA at that time also estimated that manure from 200 milking cows produces as much nitrogen as, as sewage from a community that's about five to 10,000 people. So those numbers explain why why dairy farms. But so that's, so we wanted, we were wondering about uh, are you going, is I, you're obviously starting at dairy farms because of that. Are you going to be going beyond dairy farms or is it really that dairy farms are the biggest waste producers right now?
2: So dairy farms are the easiest, they're the lowest hanging fruit. They're okay. both, um, they have a wonderful, um, gut flora. So there's a oh. very, very vibrant community of, of methanogens in the gut.
0: Spot. Got it. Okay. Uh,
2: the cow, which is great. Right. So it's very easy to convert cow manure into, a, into gas. As you move into other types of farming, uh, it gets a little more challenging. Uh, there's a very, very large initiative in the South to change um, the swine industry, the hogs, the pigs. Um, so that big project that was just announced by um, Smithfield, the largest mm-hmm. uh, pork manufacturer in the U.S., and Dominion Energy, to actually take all of their um, swine manure and turn that on. That's just a little bit more challenging than than uh, cows. And then the kind of the, the toughest stuff is poultry. So poultry waste, we'll get into the specific details because it gets kind of nasty, but um, <laughs> have a lot more ammonia and are a little more challenging because ammonia actually kills gut flora. Okay. Um, so you've got to be a little tricky. But we're, we're actually working on poultry systems now. We're certainly dairy farms. Um, there are folks who are doing large freestanding industrial digesters. We find those to be a lot less compelling. What you do there, when we make our renewable natural gas at the end of the process, after you've cooked all these millions of gallons of uh, manure and food waste down and pulled out the gas, you get this fantastic, what we call it, digestate. It's the X, it's the post-process liquid. And that liquid turns out to be an unbelievably powerful organic fertilizer.
1: Oh, wow. Um, nice.
2: So we actually, we give that back to our farmers and they use it to replace their synthetic fertilizers, which is just phenomenal in terms of, Both um, the impact on climate, uh, so you're not producing synthetic fertilizers, you're not shipping synthetic fertilizers since we use the digestate on the farm where we're located, and um, not surprisingly and probably more on point with you guys. When you switch from a synthetic fertilizer to an organic fertilizer, you will not be shocked to understand that they get a 25% more production out of their hay and alfalfa and corn, and the corn and hay and alfalfa that they make is about 20% higher nutritional value. So, Love, uh, Thank
1: you for sharing those statistics with our listeners. <laughs> it, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Right. There's a win on so many levels in so many places with this model that you've yeah. invested in and brought to market. It's amazing. It, it is really exciting. It's been very difficult
2: to kind of get folks in to, to change their behavior because we're just used as as a yeah. nation. We just throw stuff out. And yeah. what, what we're excited about, and I'm, and I'm sure you see it all the time, is that they're there's a real drive in the United States for transparency on the production of food. Right. Yeah. Um, And you see it in where is it sourced from? How does it grow? How is it harvested? And the thing that we're asking people to do is take that last step and say, okay, how is it actually disposed of once you've done all of this production? Um, And, and that's the cool uh, opportunity for us. And that's hard because usually people don't think a lot about where their waste goes um people don't ask the question mm-hmm. hey you know where where where? i well, just send all this stuff in your dump truck where to go right um,
1: right well we've and, made it so convenient right i mean we just put it exactly. to the edge of our driveway and yeah. someone else takes care of it until right. we start smelling it uh you know driving up the parkway to work and then we smell the dump station right <laughs>
2: yeah exactly And are like geez you know where'd that go
1: then we raise our hand and say i don't want to smell that yeah <laughs> but keep going keep going yeah
2: and, and no, yeah, and you're 100 percent correct. That's that's the the crazy thing is, and 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 we're all guilty of it. So this mm-hmm. isn't until you kind of become sensitized to the fact that there's a different pathway and a different opportunity. That's the way our parents did it. Our parents did it before them. Um, so you kind of think, you know, a big part of our challenge, and I'm so excited to be with you guys today, is just getting the word out that there's a there is another pathway, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and. And home, you know, at, at home composting is fantastic. Right. Um, if you can compost, wonderful. If you can get it to a food waste recycling, that's even better. Uh, in Massachusetts, so we're we started here in Mass. We've got five digesters on different family farms. Uh, we're building our sixth digester up in Vermont, just south of Middlebury College um, in Addison County, and we're now going to be building. We've got two um, farms in permitting in the Hudson River Valley, and we're moving south.
0: Excellent. Um,
2: You guys are next. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Good news. But what it takes is also communities saying we're ready to do that, that curbside recycling. You know, we'd love to, let's move to organics. And that's, people get scared. They get afraid that there's going to be odors, you know, pests, bugs. Um, But there's really good technology now how to control that and contain it so that it shouldn't be so, so spooky. Right.
1: Well, my at-home compost bin out my back deck got frozen in this weather. <laughs>
0: and, I, I bet it did.
1: And so when I threw away my eggshells this morning and my nasty celery that I forgot in the back of my refrigerator, I was really feeling guilty, especially knowing that this afternoon we were going to have this interview. <laughs> uh,
2: no, no. Composting is beautiful. Composting yeah, yeah, yeah. is great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you can't do anaerobic digestion, composting is the next best yeah. yeah, but when
1: uh, but when it's frozen and I can't get into it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: it just bounces off the top. That's,
1: that's right, right. That's right. So, um, tell us a, a little bit more about the the farmers' process. A little bit more about what's the benefit for the farmers to make this investment besides you know the the organic.
0: So we have we have a, quite a bit of. Uh, local small farmers around here. And hopefully some of them are listening to us because we've actually interviewed quite a few of them on our podcast. So mm-hmm. Wendy's question. Was- yeah, we're
1: just wondering what the investment is for for the farmer itself, because there, there are so many wins here for the farmer once the investment's made. And then there are partnerships with the other supermarkets. But as a, as a farmer, how do they go about doing it?
2: It's a really good question. So um, when we started the company, one of the things we did before we, we kind of rolled out the concept is we looked at what had happened with anaerobic digesters in the United States prior to our starting the firm. And what we saw over and over again is that there were a lot of farmers who were asked to make a capital investment, who were kind of sold a bill of goods that, that these anaerobic digesters would just run themselves. Mm. You just throw throw the, the manure in the front end and and gas and electricity comes out the back end and and nothing could be further from the truth. Um, It's a very, very complex interaction of chemistry and biology. We've got biochemists and chemists and biologists on staff. Uh, We have a daily set of chemistries we have to go through at each one of the farms. We have 200 in-situ monitors on the different assessed components um, to make sure that they all are working and, and tying together. And then you've got to go through a pretty, uh, aggressive um, campaign to get the food waste um, out of the factories and out of the colleges and universities to the farm. Um, and so what we decided was at the beginning, let's take all of that off the responsibility of our of our poor farm partners. They are working hard enough yeah, right. just, just trying to scrape by. I mean, I'm sure as you talk to your farmers, it's a really hard life. And these days it's gotten a lot harder, yep. especially for the dairy industry. A small dairy farm has... Really been struggling over the last couple of years to stay alive, anywhere in the United States, right? And certainly tougher for all of us up here in the Northeast. So what we said is great. We'll make the capital investment. We'll provide all the cash to do it. We'll actually pay um, some rent on the land since we're taking a couple of acres off the farm. Wow! And then we'll give them the organic fertilizer for free. We also, which is wonderful, because that right. reduces um, both their dependence on the synthetic fertilizer. Right. But also reduces the cost, um, which is quite significant. I think after energy and um, feed, fertilizer is the next biggest cost um, on okay. um, for dairymen. We also um, at our three newest farms and all of our farms going forward from that, we actually separate out um, from the post processed liquids the solid materials, and which comes out as a wonderful, great bedding material for the animals. Oh. So we, uh, much uh, most. Most farmers in the Northeast um, either bed on wood chips or um, sand. And we've gotten our farmers to convert over to this wonderful kind of loamy compost stuff that comes out. And it turns out it drops the mastitis incidence
0: oh. um,
2: and makes their milk more valuable. So they actually get paid more for the milk. Wow. Uh, which is awesome. Yeah. And then, oh, where we make electricity. Not on all of the farms, but on, on some of them, we also get waste heat and uh, about 2 million MMBTU an hour. And on two of our farms, we've actually given that heat back to the farmer and the farmer has, one One farm has made a district heating loop. So it took 14 houses and all of the farm buildings and put them onto a heating loop for free, right. which is way cool. Um, We'd like to do that a lot more. And then we've got another farmer who is trying to do a a greenhouse with the waste heat, so he can take all of that heat cost away. Um, So there's lots and lots that It's early days for us in terms of how many different impacts that we can have on the farm, but our goal is to really optimize uh, the synergy between all of the products that we have, the heat, the electricity, gas, fertilizer, and get that back to the farmer so that they can do what they do so well. Um, and uh, not have to spend all the time worrying about, you know, this big bubble in their backyard.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> we, we did snoop around and see some pictures. It's, um, yeah. So it's an interesting shape. So that was one of our questions, <laughs> is that,
0: what, tell us about what the anaerobic digester looks like. Our listeners would like to know, give, give an idea, what this, taking up one or two acres of land, what does it look like on the property?
2: It, it is pretty, it's pretty cool looking. I, I, I think it's cool looking. You may not. <laughs> so our, our goal is to make it kind of look as much like farm equipment as possible because we don't really want to change the visual aspect of the farm. Mm. So what you have is uh, a series of either red or white buildings. And then you've got usually one or two domes that go over the, these, these buildings. And the domes are the gas collection units. Ah. So that's, that's where we, we grab all that methane. Um, it comes out wet. Um, and then next to the domes, uh, we usually have a series of um, ISO containers. The big, uh, like they look like freight containers, um, and those are prepackaged packaged electronics, uh, gas cleaning, and uh, heating units that we actually build off-site and then bring onto the farm and install them there. So rather than have to do all the construction uh, and welding and all that stuff on farm, which which disrupts operations, right. we do it all off-site. Um, and then just fly those in on the back of a truck and uh, drop them onto a we'll, we'll do a concrete pad and then just drop those things down on top of it wow. so it's a it's a pretty compact footprint and our goal again is to to be to look as much like the farm as we can
0: right so how how long would it take from day one where a farmer says, okay, I want one of these on my farm until it actually is up and running
2: That's and that's the the kooky thing about what we do so, the actual construction time frame is about six months Okay. because we pre we prepackage a lot of stuff. We're going in and doing a site leveling, and then we put in foundations. We build the big tanks, um, and then we kind of fly in all of the, the electronics and finishing piece. Um, the challenge is actually permitting. Uh, um, of, so course. of course. So depending state by state – yeah, yeah. <laughs> surprising to no one. Uh, state by state, every state has a different set of permits. Right. Um, so some states we can move fairly quickly. Um, if they're familiar with anaerobic digestion, or they're incentivized um, here in Massachusetts, takes us about nine months. In Vermont, it took us about uh, fourteen months. Yeah. Um, New York, uh, wonderfully, is really about a four-month process ah, for six
0: months. Okay. Um,
2: yeah. So there, there are there are a lot of digesters already in the farms in upstate. Um, so they've got a process, and they're they're very comfortable with it. You know, different states can get. Much longer. California is anywhere from eighteen to twenty-four months, um, just because there's a whole series of authorities that you have to go through, and so they kind of stack you through them, and and you have to finish one, then you finish the next. And <laughs> it Goes on forever. So it's 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 anywhere between six months, probably at the at the um, earliest in the permitting, and then six months. So it's about a year. If you if it goes really really well, we can get in there and be operating in about a year. It's probably realistically 18 months, um, but that's somewhere in there.
0: Okay. And so once they have it up and running, then they make deals with supermarkets in their area and other people that are bringing them waste? or
2: No, we do that. Okay. So, yeah, it's a really good question. So if the farmer has, has people that they want us to talk to, uh, we absolutely, if they're, if they're selling, I mean, we took that. That's actually the hardest thing that we do. Working with waste haulers, working with different grocery stores, the logistics of that is quite intense. Um, we have a full department now that actually just daily schedules trucks. Wow. Um, because, yeah. And so for us to get the right recipe every day, right. the digesters want a new recipe every day. Um, if they're if they're producing a lot of gas, we have to kind of bring down the, the energy intensity. We stop sending them the ice cream and the, uh, <laughs> the beer. Uh, we'll ship that off to one of the other farms. And so we, every day, every morning, we actually go out and look at what are the available feedstock that's coming in that day. We then look at where where each of the farms needs uh, energy or doesn't need energy. Um, we then send that out, and that that's a that's a job unto itself. And and if a, if one of our poor farm partners had to do that, they would have no time right. to either raise their crops or milk the cows or doing things that, that they're supposed to be doing. Right,
1: right. So interesting. Yeah. So. For people like us who want to support your vision, besides getting you onto a podcast and, you know, inter- introducing it to people who have never heard about this, how can folks like us support your vision? It's a really good question. There are two simple things that, that you,
2: and of course, they're never that simple, but two <laughs> things that a community can drive. The, the first is is to try and talk at, at a at a village or a town, or city level about um, food waste recycling. So even just to drive it to compost um, in, in your community, if you've got a a recycling committee or a sustainability committee, Mm -hmm. uh, most, most communities do now planting that idea that organics has a future um, outside of incineration and and landfill. That's, that's a wonderful move. And we've seen a lot of grassroots uh, all across the country where just a couple of people in the community can kind of get into the, their sustainability committee and say, hey, guys, you know, there's a there's a different thing that we can do. That's a huge help. The second, it's a little bit more challenging, but we're trying to do it in every state that we go into, is talking to legislators, reps, uh, and state senators about trying to start a organics ban. So New Jersey actually has been trying very hard, right. I think, to pass legislation. Any call that you can make to support... organic legislation, organic uh, ban. So it no longer can go to landfill or to a, uh, that's a huge help talking to neighbors and talking to congressional members, uh, legislative members. Um, that's massive help, uh, because we're in there pitching and, but knowing that the community actually thinks this is something that's cool, uh, is, is, is very important to them, uh, and helps us massively as we're, talking to members of the state legislature and saying, you know, this is, this is a good thing to do.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know there's some food waste legislation up in New Jersey right now. I think it's been up for quite a while, but it's a matter of who's interested. So the, the more people Ex- can call the exactly. representatives right. and say, yeah, do this, do this. It'll get, mm-hmm. it'll get higher up. So.
2: And it, and it's great to support um, folks who are trying to do that stuff. So, you know, there are, there are lots of, you know, Wegmans, Whole Foods, um, both are, are, staunch supporters of anaerobic yeah. digestion and composting. And and those guys are fantastic, great partners for us. And, and, and they drive, they're kind of ahead of the world on that.
1: Uh, quick question about coffee roasters. Is that part of the, I mean, do you get a lot of goodness from?
2: So we, we, <laughs> as, 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 what's, it's very interesting what, what the bugs like and what the bugs don't like. So they love, they're very much like us. They love ice cream. They love <laughs> uh, alcohol. They really love fat soils and greases. Yeah. We have to be a little careful because you can overfeed them and they get a, a, a tummy ache just right. like we do. And then they, <laughs> they stop eating, uh, which is terrible. So the coffee grounds, and we, we're, we're desperately working on Coffee grounds are, are remarkable in that they – have wonderful odor containment properties, but the actual energy value is very low. Oh. Um, and they have a tendency to. Because we suck um, it all out of it. <laughs> exactly right. Because we, we pull out that caffeine and we pull out the. Uh, it's all on us. And so the bugs the bugs are left wanting. Um, but no, what we end up doing is um, we're trying to work with it. Interestingly, coffee roast is best suited for um, composting, Right. probably less than. And there are some folks. In New Jersey, um, there's a, a farm called One Particular Acre that is fantastic composting facility in New Jersey. Who, who've been doing a lot with the Wawas uh, coffee and, and other coffee grounds, and those guys, uh, a gentleman there named Ned Foley, who's just outstanding composter.
0: Great, excellent That's good to hear. Yeah. So, I guess on a, a financial note. Is there a way for people to invest in um, these anaerobic digesters or your company by itself? I don't think you're a publicly traded company yet, or not yet. Okay. We, we, so we
2: aspire to uh, okay. someday being a publicly traded entity. Right now, we're we're funded by um, some wonderful families that are uh, focused on uh, climate change and carbon reduction. So we're we're good for for our cash for the day, but but that'll change okay. uh, hopefully. Yeah. If we, as we as we grow.
0: Yeah yeah it's a good we'll keep watching for sure
2: exactly I'll let you know so if we do a crowdfunding that's right let us know send you the link first (laughs)
1: that's right that's right any last bits of wisdom or advice or anything about your company or your vision or anything you'd like our listeners to know
2: I think that you know really for us the big message is, is, you know, 40% of all the food that's produced in the United States ends up in a landfiller or a um, incinerator. And that's just madness. Yeah. Um, and simple little change of just separating that food waste um, from the pizza container and the, and the plastics uh, is something that can make a world of difference. And we're, we're really excited about being able to kind of now walk across the U S um, we're targeting, all the major metros over the next five years uh, in the U.S. So we we really hope that this is something that people can embrace and and push just a little. You know, when you're if you happen to see a member of the legislature, if you happen to be close to anybody, we love the organic bans. Those are they're really important and and it, and it's it it's cheaper. So we actually are, are a lower cost disposal than uh, sending food waste to a landfill. Landfills are getting very expensive in the United States, especially on the two coasts. Um, not quite as bad in the in the central part of the United States, but if you live anywhere on the East Coast, anywhere on the West Coast, the cost of a ton of, of disposing a ton of material into an incinerator or landfill has gone up a couple orders of magnitude, or not a, couple, a couple of times over the last uh, ten years. So it's it's this is this is smart for everybody. Could
1: you give our listeners just a short definition of organic ban so that they understand what they're reading or that sort of thing?
2: Sure, absolutely. So an organic ban is is a law that will not allow organic materials, so food materials, anything that could be processed in compost or uh, an anaerobic digester, um, to go to a landfill or incinerator. What we've seen. Every, so there are about 13 states and cities that have imposed them. This Where they have done it, every state, of course, does their own version of it. In Massachusetts, if you make more than one ton of food waste a week, so that's any hospital, any college university, um, any food manufacturer, bakery, uh, brewery, all those folks uh, make more than a ton a week. Those things have to be diverted and sent to an anaerobic digester or to compost. In Vermont, uh, very exciting. In July, they will the law goes into effect that every single bit of organic material, um, even down to the household level.
0: Wow. Um,
2: yeah, it's very exciting. And that's why we're building up in
0: Vermont right now. Uh,
2: it's, a, it's a wonderful move from their standpoint. Yeah. and it's. It's a great incentive, and people have time to kind of—they've been aware of it for a couple of years mm-hmm. and getting ready to do it. But it's—it's it's a wonderful thing for them. And as we run out of landfills, we all understand the the challenging components of incineration. It just makes good sense to to take this and turn it into renewable natural gas. Yeah. It just um, sending it off to any other destination is is uh, we feel um, just crazy.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, you've put together a lot of great wins for the community, the farmers, the land, the animals, us, and so we thank you for all that you're doing. We're I'm glad, Debbie, that you found these guys yeah. and that we got a chance <laughs> to interview you. Thank you so much for your time, right?
0: so We give,
2: appreciate it.
1: Give us the website and everything for our listeners to look you
0: up.
2: Absolutely. The easiest one is um, foodwaste.com. If you go to foodwaste.com, you will get directed to us. Okay. Um, if you want to go to the mothership, it is... <laughs> vanguardrenewables.com but that, okay. that gets fairly long Foodways <laughs> will get you there all right
0: okay. that was smart <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. That's, that's a, it's a little long Vanguard Renewables. Yes, <laughs> yes,
0: yes all right so we're so glad you took the time out to talk with us
2: Yeah. no we. I appreciate it again I, I look forward to talking to you when we're, we're down there building
1: okay. okay thanks John
2: have a great afternoon you, thanks, too.
1: you too bye be well thanks for listening keep the conversation going at nourishcoaches.com And stay tuned for more Nourish Noshes as we continue our quest to make the world a healthier place.